The commentary and interviews of this podcast are for entertainment, information, and conversation purposes only. The views and opinions expressed during this episode are those of the individual speakers and do not represent the views or opinions of any specific church, denomination, organization, or third-party affiliate. So, all right, so we'll get kicked off. All right. First, I want to say welcome to our podcast, which does not have a name yet. Yes, because, I mean... Because we're, it, we're just going to do it. We're it, not going to think about names. I mean, we're saying welcome to our podcast, but technically, since it's not been casted in pod form, it's it's like we're saying meet my child before it's born. Well, we do like children. <laughs> Sometimes. What, what we're talking about is we are two friends, two brothers, and we are just wanting to share the idea of what ministry is and different hard questions we can ask as pastors, as non-pastors, as associate pastors, as said pastors, as as fry cooks in McDonald's even. But the question right now is this. Um, many of the Christian brothers and sisters we have and, and Christian people was the number one Christian podcast for quite a long time last year. And it was The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill by Christianity Today. Check it out on any one of podcast streaming service you listen to. It's an amazing listen for what I listen to. But it goes over the, the beginning and the chaos and the explosion of Mars Hill in Seattle, and led at the time by Pastor Mark Driscoll. Uh, but the question is that we felt the podcast did not end on a good note. Yeah, so so it didn't. It ended like I mean, it, they did a great job production-wise. Everything it was wonderful. But the reason why we felt it end on a good note is because we found ourselves in the process of finishing it with this heaviness on our hearts and souls that kind of, for lack of a better word, ruined Bible study and church for us for a little while. Yes, where still, every, still today. Every, every message we're hearing and every song and every every little thing at church just felt Don't like, even a, mention oh, church. no, we're going to ruin people. We're going to ruin everything. Don't even mention <laughs> like, church buses. Like, so <laughs> so it was, it was this really just bad, 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 bad feeling for a while. And me being me, I made sure to share it with Pastor John. I shared it with my wife. And he shared it with his wife. I shared the misery with everyone. Like, hey, I listened to this podcast because my friend, Pastor Richard Dixon, recommended it to me. And he shared misery with me. Yeah. Um, so since I was miserable, I'm sharing it with you. Be miserable with me. That's what I did with the pain. Because um, that's me being unhealthy. And, and I did that. But then one day I'm sitting there and, and I could see... Pastor John and I were in a situation where I could see that he was thinking what I was thinking, which was, oh, man, are you thinking of the podcast right now, too? And I'm like, yeah, I am. And all these horrible thoughts. But all of a sudden I got this thought and the thought was, he's not Mark Driscoll. I am. Yes. And I leaned over to Pastor John and said, hey, Pastor John, I I got something to share with you. He's like, like, what? I said, he's not Mark Driscoll. You are. And he looked at me and he just gave me this look like, I hate you so much. I and did. I'm like, and I'm like, I actually, in my defense of this situation, I physically said the words, I hate you. Yes. I don't hate him. I love him very dearly. Yes. But anytime, like as Christians, men, especially, we don't like to be challenged all that much in our, like, but the issue is, with, that's one thing I love about Pastor Mars. One thing I love about many of the pastors I know is they're all about challenging you. And that concept of I'm not Mark or he's not Mark, I am, you're just like, oh, snap. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that, so for me, that was important because, like, I, I was sitting there and, and, and the idea of how it ended, to me, it just, I, I didn't feel gospel in it. Um, no. And, and I was trying to find that. And as I was sitting there, again, we were in the same experience and I was thinking these thoughts and I was realizing, 
in this moment, I am focused so much on what these other people should be doing or how bad they are. And that is not at all what Jesus would ever tell me to do. Jesus would have said, Kamar, look in the mirror. Look at, look at all these horrible things about you. Look at all the pain yeah. you're causing. Why are you so concerned about the almost hurt this person may possibly one day cause when you are actually currently hurting people yourself? You deal with you. Don't worry about them. And, and the phrase, you know, he's not Mark, I am. Like, I said that. And, and after saying that, and I was like, and Pastor John was like, oh, I hate you. And I'm like, well, just think about it. Just think about it. Well, we knew we were going to have, because we're on a drive right now. I'm like, that was, yeah. <laughs> that was like a week before. I'm like, like we're going to have time on, when we're going to drive. We'll talk about it then. Just meditate on until then. And that's saw a couple of days later. He's like, I still hate you. I've been thinking about <laughs> it. I hate you even more almost now. And I'm like, me too. I've been thinking about it. Like, I, I, so I'll give you, I share with him already as an example of, of how this applied was we had a, like it's spring and it finally started getting warm. And, and my wife wanted to turn on the AC in the house. And I said, no, we have windows. We have a fan in the kids' room. And besides, I sleep on the main level, not on the second floor where, where all the, the second floor where all the heat goes like the kids do. So that's too bad for the kids, but I'm trying to save money because I don't have a lot of money. And, and, I was, and I was sticking with that. Like I'm doing the smart, responsible dad thing of my kids won't die from 80 degree weather and a little bit of sweat. They won't kill them, it'll make them stronger. And then, as I'm walking around proud of my standing, sticking up for myself and putting my foot down and my wife's gonna listen to me, I didn't remember the saying, he's not Mark, I am. And I just like, 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 oh. And then I went and I turned on the AC in the house. I didn't even tell my wife at all. And, and I found out when she found out because she was putting, I didn't tell you this part, she was putting the kids to bed and I could hear upstairs in the girls' room. And, and my wife's like, well, just open the window. And I didn't say anything. And my daughter's like, we, we, the, the, the window's closed. And she's like, who closed the window? And my daughter's like, dad closed the window. Why did your dad close the window? Is the AC on? Yeah. Who turned it on? Dad did. Your, your dad turned the AC on? Yeah. She's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then she comes downstairs and she's like, you turn the AC on? I'm like, yeah, I turn it on for upstairs and downstairs too. Um, I just left it at that. And I didn't tell her the whole reason why I did it was because I felt like I was a horrible, evil person who was going to like ruin their souls and send them to hell or something. But I didn't tell her all the thoughts I thought, but, but like that statement, like it's really bearing fruit in my life yeah. because it's helped me to, to realize that sometimes like what the podcast was showing, sometimes we set out to do a very good thing for a very good reason. But in doing it, we lose sight of the people in front of us in name of the mission we want to accomplish. And now we're hurting people. Yes, I think that's the key thing right there is too often as ministers, we lose sight of what the goal is, what God's put us there. God has not put us there to be pastors of God or pastors of a mission. He's put us there to be pastor of people. Yep, yep. He doesn't care about the mission. He doesn't care about... The, the homeless organization you run. He cares about the people in the organization. Yeah. He cares about that. And God, I mean, we see it time and time again in Christian organizations falling and, and destroying and hurting people mm-hmm. because they lose focus on what it's about. And I think that happens in far too often in our everyday life that we lose track of what we're supposed to be doing because we become focused on this bigger picture. Um, and I, I, not saying you can't look at the big picture. I love looking at the big picture. But too often, if you stay focused 100% on what's happening in 10 years, your 10-year goal, what's going on happening in 10 years, you miss what's happening in year one because you can't step forward yeah. without falling. Yeah. I, so what I try and do, I mean, and, and you've, you've picked up on this already, like I, I try and find statements that I can easily repeat to myself 
um, because I feel like I'm dumb enough that I forget what I'm supposed to do. Sure. Um, and so I, I like this statement of, you know, he's not Mark, I am. Yeah. Um, because as there are so many things that we do where we do lose the, the sight of the goal. Um, and I guess something that you and I were, were trying to do is we're trying to say, okay, what safeguards can we put up? What things do we need not do? And I guess the question is, have you identified, have you seen anything like as we're now talking about this, that, that we do that we need to stop doing because it's making us Mark Driscoll. Yes. And I, I, I'll, I'll I let me have. put this down here. But I, re- I just realized for like legal reasons, we might need to do like some sort of disclaimer about saying the name Mark Driscoll, do we? That's why I've just been saying Mark. I said oh. it once and recognized Oh, I'm sorry. I bleep out all the times I said his last name. Just a Mark guy. Mark, we love you. Yes. We're praying for you because you're a brother in Christ and we hope God does amazing things through your ministry. Yes. And we hope that God is fully 100% the thing behind your ministry. Exactly. And, and also in full disclosure, Mark, you have blessed me and my wife and my family over the years with your teaching. Um, there are plenty of times where what you, the counsel that you offered in preaching the Word of God has been exactly what we needed. So we are not saying any of these things to say that you are somebody who is incapable of being used of God for His glory Amen. and saving lives and changing, no and changing no lives. That. Not in the least. All right, cool. All right, All right. cool. <laughs> Disclaimer. <laughs> so for me, like, I, I focus a lot of part of my job at Journey Church. I thought you said you weren't going to miss the Journey Church anymore. <sighs> Part of my job at the church I work at right now is the online campus, dealing with people digitally. Yeah. But the thing is, is I've become so trapped in what I was doing to make what I do the best it can be, as I found myself not interacting with the people who were there. Okay. Right? Because I have to make sure the videos are ready to go. I have to make sure everything's service ready to go. The tech side is part of my ministry that I have to make sure God is anointing that aspect of our church. Right. The issue is, is it gets to a point where that is done. And instead of double checking or triple checking or quadruple checking, sometimes I need to sit back and go, it's time to go love on the people who are here. So, so the check for you, you're saying is that what you need to start saying is after you've checked it twice saying if that, now I don't believe in him, never taught my kids to. But if it's good enough for Santa, it's good enough for me. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm going to call it the Santa theory. There you go. You can use the Santa theory. I, I My wife is going to love that I did that because that was a beginning thing in our marriage of saying we don't do Santa Claus with our kids, but you can keep Halloween. Um, that was the conversation. You kept, <laughs> you kept Halloween, but not Santa? I mean, she got to choose one and she chose Halloween. Wow. Um, she said Halloween's better than Santa. <laughs> um I mean, I don't disagree with her candy. I mean, come on, it's candy. candy. Um, but, but, but yeah, like she's going to love the, like you've mentioned Santa in the first podcast too. I know. Uh, you, Kamar, what's going Many on with you? Many times now. Yeah. Well, but I think that's a good, because if twice, okay, you've checked it twice. Yeah. I mean, or even like carpenters do this, you know, you know, measure twice, cut once. So like the, the idea is that you've done it twice. Now, is there a mistake that you might've missed that you can catch if you, if you checked it a fourth time? Yes. But what's more important? Having that perfect presentation or the people. Wow, that was a lot of P's, but I'm going to say it again. Yeah. Perfect presentation or people. Yes, that's a lot of P. <laughs> um, so, that, but, yeah. and, but that's the thing for me is like, I've got to be more intentional because also teaching Bible study on Wednesday nights, mm-hmm. I directly interact with people in a group teaching set, session. And plus I'm a small group leader at the church. Yeah. So I need to make sure that on Sunday mornings, I'm not just digitally online. I'm physically there in person with the people around me. And I have failed at that more than I'd like to say I have. 
Um, I do, I will say that is one thing uh, our pastors talked to me about in the past. And I felt like I was doing a great job. But I see that I can do even better based off of what my current status is. If that makes sense. Like, yeah. I can hold myself at a higher expectation of being there more for the people than I am not saying I don't care about the online community, don't care about those people. I care very deeply about them. Yeah. But I need to be there more for the people in the building when I have the moments to do that. All right. Yeah. So that's that's mine. What about that's yours? Your, I mean, my these days, especially, it's definitely wife and kids. Um, because I'm at, you know, I'm in this different spot ministry-wise right now. I, I, I was, I guess, a little bit more background me. I was um, head, total, only every pastor at a smaller church until, you know, the end of the last uh, last calendar year. And so now we're coming on staff with, with um, I'm not going to say the name because we keep saying the name, but the church we're at. What church is that? <laughs> the one we're at. Which one is that? The one, the one that uh, Pastor John said multiple times. What city? It's in Hopkinsville. Oh, good. <laughs> but I didn't tell you which Hopkinsville. <laughs> but, but like coming, Springfield. <laughs> which but, Springfield are the Simpsons in? Exactly. But no, coming coming on and being you know one of many pastors now, um, and I'm on the team, and I'm still feeling out. Okay, what's my role? And I'm kind of just a whatever you need me for still guy. Um, yeah, we talk about oh well, we're gonna have you do this. Uh, pastor Kamar's gonna be this kind of a pastor eventually. But I'm not really that yet either. You know, talk about teaching yeah. pastor. I'm not really teaching pastor yet. I don't have my own small group. Don't have my own, you know, engage class. Don't have my own well, midweek Bible study. I don't have my own regular preaching schedule. Like I'm still kind of like I'm not overburdened really ministry wise at the moment. Um, and so mine is more of being mindful of the fact that I tend to be a bad minister to my wife and children. It's, it's that's that's the one of like, you know, like this weekend, how I've been dealing with my guilt of, man, my poor wife, I left her to manage 50 million things, including an electrician appointment that I made for my fan for my porch <laughs> while I went away to a thing. And and my wife loves me and, and she's forgiven me and the electrician didn't show up. And I don't know if she's forgiven him, but she's forgiven me. <laughs> um, but, but like, I'm, and being very intentional and mindful of, okay, what do I, how am I going to make this up to her? Um, not that I did anything inherently wrong or bad. Every step of the way we were in agreement. But I need to be intentional in making sure that I am helping her feel loved uh, because I have been bad at that historically in our marriage. Yeah. Um, and then even with my kids of just being intentional with them. I, my oldest biological son, you know, he's 15. He's going to be leaving the house before too long. I mean, at his age, he feels like it's forever from now. But at our age, we know I'm going to blink hard and it's gone. Very short, um, very short number of years. So how, I'm, how am I intentional with him and the other four kids in the home of making sure that they, they feel that so that they, they don't think that dad values mission more than them and so like with me that that turning on the thermostat thing um for me that would that hurt because like i'm wasting money because tomorrow it's going to be in fact tonight it's going to get cool enough and it did i'm like tonight it will cool off enough that before they wake up they won't have needed ac like that hurt me um (laughs) but it shouldn't have and and for them to sit there and see that and to know that i turn it on i didn't even just say fine turn it on no and they didn't badge me into it either i just felt it inside and turned it on they, my kids need to see more of that from me. They need to see more of me willingly, happily, not begrudgingly, just doing what they want because they want it. Yes. And, and, that's, and that's reason enough because they're my kid and I love them and they want it because she's my wife and I love her and she wants it. Um, so definitely being intentional with that. Um, and again, you, the statement is not something that is limited because 
No, I mean, maybe I, this is just me and not you. I mean, so I'm, I'm not going to assume this about Pastor John. I'm just going to talk about this is Pastor Kamar talking about Pastor Kamar here and, and Pastor Kamar's problems. Carmelo, I've been Pastor Kamar. <laughs> no, it's it's Richo. Richo. They, just for you guys know, they they butchered my last name on my name tag at the event we went to. Yes. And I showed up with a name tag that said Pastor Richo. Um, it was. It's, I saved it. I will have it for as long as the paper holds. But up. luckily, they fixed it, and they were very apologetic. But oh yeah, we love the pastors at the event we went to. It was an amazing event. Yes, it was. They were great men of God there. But it's just sometimes fun. Yeah. To rib other member of men, men of God. Well, and actually, this is a good segue because that is something that I can be accused of being very bad at is being loving. And so I don't think that was ever received badly. Actually, maybe I'll reach yeah. out to Pastor Pastor no, Roy. I, would, I don't chat. think it was ever received um, badly. But I know me, and I have the tendency that I could just sit there and keep poking long enough that it starts hurting. And I'm sitting there like, but it's still funny. Um, <laughs> but, but, and, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, but it's still funny though. And they're like, yeah, but now I'm bleeding because you keep poking in the same spot. And I'm like, but it's still funny. I'm not going to stop poking until it's no longer funny. Like that's, that sounds horrible. And, and so again, I'm talking about me, not pastor John, but I know that I have that, that tendency of just not realizing that people are being hurt around me. Yeah. Um, We've talked about this before, uh, Pastor John and I, about the idea of, of you know, uh, autism, autism spectrum and, and recognizing where you are. And I've told my wife, I recognize certain tendencies in myself in that of, of sometimes just not seeing other people's emotions. Yes. And, and so when I, when I talk about that statement again in the podcast, what really settled with me is that that is true of so many of us men, maybe, I, maybe women too, but definitely I know men in ministry. And it might be there's a certain personality type that is just successful in ministry, drawn in ministry, um, that God uses in ministry, I don't know. But there's a lot of us who, the way we are is that we tend to do worse than even the average man at recognizing how people feel about what we're saying and doing. And you need a little bit of that to preach the gospel, especially in America, I mean, because if I'm gonna yeah. preach a gospel that says something like, homosexuality is a sin, okay? Um, and I'm not saying I say I don't love people. Like, I have plenty of homosexual people yeah. who I've associated with, who know me and know how much I love them. So I'm not saying that in that in that sense. But if I'm going to say something like that, there's going to have to be at least a little part of me that says, and I don't care how you feel about that, for me to be able to say that. So there is a there is a bit of that. The only way to speak truth in love to people who don't want to hear truth is to, to a degree, not care about their feelings. Sure. Um, Otherwise, you'll never speak the truth in love because you're so worried about their feelings. Yeah, you're too worried um, about them. So, so I get that. But the thing is that that balance of saying, okay, but I need to still care. I, I don't need to care too much, but I do need to care. And and that's that's where the, the, the church from the podcast, that they kind of, they lost that. They lost that caring because they were so mission-minded. Yeah. Um, and so for me, it's okay, what other safeguards can I maybe put in my life to just to keep me from being overly mission-minded? I'll say... One thing I love about my wife um, is that she's a very opinionated human being and no amount of being married to me will ever change that about her. Um, and that's great. I need that. Um, as, as, as Pastor John has experienced already multiple times, not everybody around us appreciates my wife's ability to be that person as much as I do. Um, and even I don't always appreciate that much about my wife. I appreciate uh, her. But... But that's because she's not your wife. <laughs> yeah, but I've got a wife similar to that, yes. so I can relate. And when your wife's doing it, sometimes you don't appreciate what she's doing. I don't. Doing. So there you go. But you appreciate it. <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> but but so part of it, I think, is that we need to intentionally celebrate the people like that in our lives, too. I think that's oh, yeah. something else that they missed in, that, in the story about the church, is that you see that when those people showed up in their church, they kicked them out. Yes. They marginalized them. They got rid of them. They told them, shut up, sit down, be quiet, go away. 
instead of saying, I don't like what you're saying. It hurts my feelings. I don't even like admitting I have feelings, but I'm not going to get rid of you because I need you. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's something we, we face that I had to learn as a husband to deal with. Mm -hmm. And I'm still learning every day. Yeah. My wife and I've been married 18 years and to this day, I still fail in a lot of ways because of not showing her the respect when she speaks life into me. That's hard. Yeah. Um, my wife is autistic. She's on the, she's on the spectrum. She's taking the test. We, we know this about her. Yeah. But with autistic people and a lot of different people, sometimes when they speak, it, they speak in a sense of fact. Like yeah. they speak the fact that they see. Well, as a human being, we want to be cuddled. Yes. Right? We don't always want the fact. We want the fact with the blanket wrapped around it so it feels good when it touches us, right? And, and just so you know just how much uh, Pastor John needs this, like he is probably, I think you're what, the only non-autistic person in your household? Uh, my son, my oldest son is also non-autistic. Okay, all right. But yes, yeah. Everybody else in my house is autistic okay. except for him. And my wife and I, I took the test with my wife. So you and him are literally in the minority in your house. We are the minority. You are the minority. So, yeah. and <laughs> Which the, is why we're friends. And, we're fellow minorities. Yeah. We are. We're fellow minorities. <laughs> I did marry a black Irish woman. So that's true. There you go. I'm, I'm double. You'll have to under, meet my wife to understand that whole concept. But the cool thing about it is, is when she speaks truth, I would just take it as, why does she hate me? Why can she not be nice to me and not seeing it for what it was? Now I see it in when she speaks truth to me and I'm like, okay, I see what she is saying. I understand where she's coming from. What can I do in my ministry or in my life to take her, her response to me and make it where I see what's happening and where it needs to be corrected? Yeah. Because my wife and I would say your wife as well are both very wise women. Yes. They both love on people. They care about people generally yes. and they care about us immensely. My, my wife loves me to death. I know your wife has talked to me about how much she loves you. Yeah. Um, and so much, you know, they want us to hang out together. Yeah. Which is weird. <laughs> They're like, you need friends because we don't like being around you so much. <laughs> but I like that guy. You can hang out with that guy. Go hang out with that guy and stop hanging out with me. I need a break from you. <laughs> Which is funny because they hang out. Yes. So. <laughs> In fact, go hang out with that guy so I can go hang out with his wife without you. Yeah, I think that. Or our children. <laughs> Did our, our wives get us together to hang out? Yeah. All right. Well, cool. That's that's good. They're, they're masterminds. They are, they are very good at this game. <laughs> yeah. But we have to learn how to take that criticism and advance with it. I just thought of another saying that might help. But as we were talking about that and think about like with, with your wife and my wife and, and oftentimes how they're saying these things to us, that's truth that we need to hear that we don't want to hear. Um, we could say, it's not what you think. Because so often we're in those situations, we're thinking, like you said, you hate me. Yeah. Or, or, or you don't love me or you're judging me or all these negative things that are our initial response as we're getting the thing. So, so we're getting what we need to be better and we're thinking ourselves out of receiving it and just saying, you know what? It's not what, it's not what I think. That's it's good. not what I think. Um, that's helped me. So my wife, like I said, she's, she's good at, at identifying what she doesn't like about reality and then sharing that out loud. <laughs> I think I said that in a decent way. <laughs> um, and and very one of, well, but very well spoken. One of the things that she will she will gladly or not gladly, but she will openly admit is that she is her father's daughter. Um, my father in law, I love him. I love him immensely. Um, so my wife and I, we've been married for coming up on seventeen years now. Been together for we actually just celebrated our, our the. 
the anniversary of our 21st anniversary of our first date. Um, awesome. So we've been together for since we were in high school. It's been for a while. Um, and so I've known her dad all that time, too. And, and, and I've learned to love him for who he is and all of that. Um, but he is, uh, by nature, a very loud, aggressive, angry, confrontational man. I remember uh, there was a season where I had to work for him. He was a self-employed boat mechanic. Um, I had to work for him just to make ends meet because I didn't have any other job. And that was demeaning in of itself. But I remember we were sitting there and we were in between going to different boats for a job. And he was he was towing a boat behind his truck. We were stuck behind another guy trying to leave a marina, and he was pulling a, a boat. And the guy in front of us slammed on his brakes, which made my father have to slam on his brakes, which is not a good thing to do when you have a trailer attached to your truck. No. So being angry for that, he jumps out of his truck, grabs a baseball bat, runs up to the guy's cab, and starts swinging a bat and yelling and cussing and screaming. And I'm sitting, and I'm just like, this is not safe. This is not how we live our lives. Or, or like, I know, I know one of my favorite stories about him is the time he was late to his own son's birthday party because he was leaving work at the marina, and so two police officers were motorcycle police officers. They were driving down the marina in the bike lane on their motorcycles. And he decided he wanted to chase down the cops and cuss them out because that was such a bad idea. And so he was late to the party because he was too busy cussing out cops. And I'm like, this is this is my father-in-law. I love this man. That's a great story. I love this man. He has so many more that are way worse than that. <laughs> These are the easy ones that I can say in a podcast that will hopefully appeal to Christians. So, <laughs> um, but, but my wife will tell you that she is his daughter. That... She has her, it's her and her brother, just the two of them. And her brother is not much like their dad. He's more like their mom. He's more calm and quiet. You've met him. Yeah, he's, he's a good guy. He's, he's, he's like, he's like the mom. She's like her dad. She's the yelling. I mean, I remember the one time she was pregnant with our youngest son. Um, and Oziah, he's a, he's a more rambunctious kind of guy. And we could tell he was going to be because he made her even more rambunctious. And she remembers the time she got cut off for a parking spot in a, at, at the beach and like pregnant jumping out of a car to go and yell, just like her dad, you know, I'm going to jump out of a car and yell at somebody and tell them about themselves, even though I'm eight months pregnant, maybe only six months at a time. I don't know. Very, very much so pregnant, you know, like that's, that's her. So she'll, she has this nature where she'll be confronting me with something and without meaning it, without knowing it, she's coming across very aggressive, very negative, very judgmental, very much so like, I hate you. I wish you didn't exist. Yeah. And I had to I had to get to the point in our marriage where I started realizing it's not what you think. This may be what she is projecting, but it is not at all what she is That's meaning. Good. It is not all what she's meaning. And we had a conversation a couple of days ago. We were sitting in the car and we had another confrontation about, about that, about something. And she was talking about stuff. And, and, they, and the kids were in the car, too, and all stuff. And, and we're talking. And I'm like, and I just sat there and listened. And then when the kids got out, I, I told her, I said, I said, listen, I need you to understand how what you're saying makes me feel. And I, and I said to her, I'm like, like. I'm going to just tell you how what you said made me feel. I'm, I, I, I know you don't mean this. I know you don't mean this way, but this is how it feels. And I proceed to tell you, like, like, I hate you. I, I think you're the dumbest person ever. If you would only listen to me, everything would be better. Like, I, I did all stuff, and I said, and then I went back and said, I said, now, I know that's not what you mean. And I know that's not how you mean to make me feel, but that is how you're coming across right now. And then she received it, she's like, I'm so sorry. You know what I mean? I'm like, I know you don't mean that. She's like, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry that I, I make you like a very, very mature, wonderful conversation. It really was. Good. But it only could happen because I got to that point of saying to myself, it's not what you think. Because for yeah. so many years in our marriage, she would do that and I would respond uh -huh. in kind. I would respond with, well, since you think I'm so horrible, how about I show you how horrible I can be? Or think you like, I mean, and so that's a, sometimes to diffuse the situation and then see the people and love the people. We've got to almost not see the people while we see the people. You know, like see, see, see through them, see past yeah, them. Yeah, see past them. I think that's a great thing we have to think about with as pastors as well, because what happens as pastors is 
when somebody says something to us, we think they're trying to hurt us. Yeah. We think they're trying to attack us because we realize that uh, it, it's been, it was said at this conference we're at, it's been said in many different places online, many different places. It, it, it's one of the, the biggest Christian sayings right now is Christians kill their wounded. Yeah. And that's not just pastors. That's the congregation as well. And what happens in that is, is the pastor isn't hearing what the person is saying. He's hearing what he's hearing, what he thinks he's hearing. He gets wounded and then it starts the wheel of death. Yeah. Um, I know it's the wheel of death isn't necessarily the thing it's called, but. Well, I know what you mean. You know uh, what I mean? It's, it's, it, uh, in science um, or like within biological pathways, you talk about it as, as a positive feedback loop. Yeah. Um, because you have these two, you have negative feedback where what you produce stops itself, but you have positive feedback where the thing you're producing makes that makes it reproduce more of itself. It becomes this, this positive feedback loop of, well, I'm going to just keep on killing even more and even more yeah. until you end up with a mountain of dead bodies behind your bus. Yeah. Which to is, quote that podcast. Which is one thing that podcast said to us that was so like that saying, they say it a lot and I know yeah. they said it a lot, they edited a lot in the editing because of how strong it was. But from our personality, we're going through a bus ministry right now where we're starting a, yeah. a different kind of ministry for that. So we've been talking about the bus. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine as, as Pastor Kamar and I are talking about this on our, in our lives is we're also hearing the, the say, we're hearing, hey, guys, let's get out there and support the bus. Yeah. And then like literally, I love your wife because she is sarcastic in a lot of ways. <laughs> yes. She goes, I bet you there's a lot of bodies behind that. <laughs> like and I said, I'm like, no, like don't said, go there. Like I said, it, it's it, remember, it's it's not what you think. <laughs> I know, <laughs> with my wife, but but I mean, and like I said, that's what's so great about her because yeah. because she is wonderful at speaking that truth real quick, just to sit there and say, yeah, isn't that, isn't this funny? And it's like, oh man, yeah, uh, so, you're my wife and I love you. <laughs> yeah, but it was, but that's the thing is, we spend so much time mm-hmm. in, in advancing the kingdom ministry. That we yeah. lose track of what God's doing with the kingdom people. Yeah, yeah. It's, I you know. So one of my, one of my bad faults about me, um, that I did good at this conference this time. I didn't do it like I did last year when I went to the conference. Is that I can sometimes speak really poorly of pastors, in front of other pastors. Yeah, I can. And sometimes that. it makes them mad at me. They didn't seem so. They didn't seem to hold the grudge when I saw them again this now. Yeah. So that was great. Um, <laughs> That was wonderful. I'm glad they forgave me, um, even though I meant everything I said last year too. But but, but I could be negative on on pastors, um, and I can just be negative on the church in general. I, I can. I, I admit that. Um, I, I can be very judgmental against the church, especially the church in America. And and so for context, because this is a podcast, we're not. There's no video recording anywhere here, right? No. John? Okay, so you definitely don't see me. <laughs> um, so can't I, see me. Yeah, but so so as a black man in America, I have a lot of baggage for why I can be negative on the church in America because as a black man there is a history a very a very difficult history of how the church has been involved in some of the racist things that have happened in our country yes um and so I do struggle with that sometimes of why didn't the holy spirit get them to treat my ancestors better you know um but then also even outside of that just looking at the modern church and looking how poorly we've handled so many things whether it be the AIDS epidemic which was in my lifetime and seeing how the church really did not treat homosexuals correctly and still doesn't to a large degree. Yeah. Um, I know I said earlier, you know, homosexuality is a sin. That doesn't mean that they're not people and don't deserve to be loved. Like, honestly, I am not happy with how the church in America has treated homosexuals in general. Well, for There's me, a reason they run to the churches that don't preach the gospel yeah. because at least they, they love them. 
for me, I have a problem with that. I have a problem with homosexuality is a sin to me. You and I are completely 100% on that. I yeah. think you'll probably agree with me. I don't understand as a Christian, we hold AA meetings and celebrate recovery meetings mm-hmm. for different things and addiction issues and alcoholism and, and cheating on your spouse and all these other things. But when it comes to homosexuality, it's the thing we don't talk about. Yeah. It's yeah. the we don't talk about Bruno of the Christianity, right? <laughs> Great. Now we're going to have to deal with those people suing us too. We haven't, said, we haven't sung it. Oh, that's true. Um, you sure they don't have a copyright on that phrase? I don't know. I hope not. But, but like, I mean, and, and, and there's so many other sins like that too. There's so many sins that we just, we choose our, our, yeah. our pet sins. And so as a result, we have a, a, a church that, like I said, I could be negative because when I look at this world, I am a firm believer that we would have no problems. And I mean none. I'm not talking hyperbolic. I'm talking literally. I think there would be no problems at all in this world if the church were actually being the church. Amen. I think that Christ's mission was that we would be the solution to all of the world's problems. Yes, we would, we would be empowered by the Holy Spirit, covered by the blood of Christ, sent by the Father. Yes, God is the one behind it and given power for it, but we are the solution. There would be no problems if we did our job. So everywhere where there is a problem, it's us failing to do our job. And so when you add on top of that just how much we're actually not just not solving the problems, but making more problems, it frustrates me. And sometimes I can't contain my frustration and I decide to be more like my wife and I vent it <laughs> and I do it out loud. And so I'll tell, I'll talk about how much I don't, I, I feel like pastors are to blame for this, that, and the other thing, or church is failing. And sometimes people don't like hearing me say that because it's, it comes across overly negative about the church. But I, I feel like really this podcast, and like I've been telling with, with Pastor John about this is that when I look at what's going on in our lives and what God's doing in our lives, ministry wise, and, and where we are and where we're going, what we're doing next, I really want to be intentional by saying, what can we do so that we, as we grow in ministry, as we grow in what we're doing in God's kingdom and grow in being the solution to the world's problems because we are Christ's people, what can we do to make sure that we don't end up making more problems than we solve? Oh, that's good. I think we have to think about, and I, I'm going to, I'm going to say it. You don't want to say it, but I'm going to say it. Oh, great. Okay. Dr. Dale Yurton, somebody we both very much care about. We're allowed to say his name because he won't sue us. He won't sue us. But Dr. Dale Yurton is a very amazing man of God. Mm -hmm. He's a teacher of hundreds of pastors across the world, even thousands across the world. And one of the things he said is leadership rises, or the church rises and falls with leadership. Yes. And I firmly believe that. I think Mars Hill, in this podcast, if you listen to it, you're going to see this church rose with leadership and fell with leadership. Exactly. And I think that's how we how come we can blame pastors, because um, Harry S. Truman, the the president, former president of the United States, during right after World War II, in the World War II, said the buck stops here. Yeah. This the buck. I can't blame anybody else but me. Yeah. And I think as pastors, we need to say it's my fault. Yeah. Um, because it, it you can't have leadership blaming other people, because then it's not true leadership. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I'll, I'll do another. I found, I found out, I just realized that I already had another statement and I didn't realize that I had another statement and I was using it. And, um, now I figured it out. I have the other statement. Okay. That's my sheep. That is. Oh, you did use that. Yes. So, so back before we started this, we were talking about one of our, one of the members of a congregation where we both are pastors at. Richard. His name is Richard. Well, yeah, his, his name is Richard. I, I relearned that too. Didn't know that. Thought his name was Jerry. No, I'm, I'm just saying we're Richard. Yes. Yeah, but I, but I thought his name was Jerry because he goes by Jerry. He does go by Jerry. <laughs> yes, but but he's a guy who a lot of times comes off abrasive and rough, and people are like, "Oh man, this guy." And we even joke about with, with him, with him and at him, 
and he receives all of it uh, about you know how rough it is to be around. But and he dishes it out. Yes, he does. But I and I was and I identified him like and I pointed him. I'm like like I'm his pastor. He's my sheep because I am one of his pa- like that's just like I realized that yes, technically it's it's God's flock and it's his sheep. We all know all those things, but just speaking that and we were talking about how how important that was probably for him to hear. Um, but I think that actually might be this a statement that ministry leaders need to say and say aloud, say in the presence of the sheep so that they can stop blaming. Like we saw in this podcast and we see it oftentimes in ministry that instead of the pastor saying it's my fault, they say it's your fault. And I, what I like about that statement is that say, when I say that's my sheep, so then if Jerry goes out and says something dumb, that's my sheep. Yeah. Jerry goes out and says something smart. That's my sheep. Yeah. Jerry goes out and, be, and it's just being Jerry. That's my sheep. And then, and then he knows that, and I know that, and that changes the entire field of the ministry, because yeah. now it's no longer of, well, I'm his pastor, which is what we tend to make it. It's 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 them saying that's my pastor, that's my pastor, and we get puffed up and we love him, we enjoy all this stuff, but we we hear that way more than we hear that's my sheep, even though it should be said the other way around more often, because pastors have more sheep than sheep have pastors. Well, that's the thing about it for me though is this is as as pastors. One of the models that we talk about being a pastor is is the family, the family model, yeah. right? And I don't ever hear my kids go, that's my dad. I go, that's my kid. Yeah. Right? And I agree with you. I think we need to start doing that. Man, thanks for challenging me too. <laughs> well, I'm just, I mean, yeah, yeah. Actually, you know, the whole that's my kid thing, it's funny because so the, I teach at a high school and my kid goes there um, and my kid is my kid. So he's a very weird, 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 weird to the infinity power kid. Because he's mine. We prefer the word peculiar. No, he's weird. <laughs> he's weird. I mean, he's my son. He, he wears a bow tie like every day. Yeah. Who taught him that? Me. He insists on wearing two collared shirts on a regular basis. Um, actually, he's going to go back down to one now because he says it's finally warm enough. Now it's been 80 degrees for more than a couple of days. He's going to stop wearing his winter coat and three shirts and maybe go down to just one shirt. Kid's weird. Okay. That's okay. He's mine. That's my kid. That's my son. And sometimes my students in my class will call themselves trying to make fun of my son, which to me is just the dumbest thing to do. Why are you going to make fun of a person's kid to their face yeah. when they control your actual fate because you have to pass my class to graduate high school? But whatever, they, they, they do it. Um, and, and they'll say, they'll be like, I saw your son and this and that. And like, you know, because he is, he runs through the halls. He's, he's a weird kid. He's my kid. I love the kid to death. And, and every time I do, I say, I say, yeah, that's my son. He has this thing he does. I don't know if you've seen like his wave he has. He has his own like patented wave. It's yeah. like, so he does that to me as he walks in the halls and he passes me every day, twice a day. Actually, sometimes four times a day. And I wave back. I realize that that's just the weirdest thing ever. And and he's sticking out like a sore thumb and I'm sticking out with him. Yeah. Because that's my kid. And when he goes by my wife's hallway, I, I hear that she does the same. Because that's that's my that's kid. That's your kid. And, and you're right. He needs to, the reason why he is so weird is because we've done a good job, at least, of puffing him up to make him feel like, doesn't matter how weird I am, they're going to love me. Well, let's see how far I can go with this weirdness. <laughs> like, like, he's comfortable in that. Yeah, he's comfortable. That's, that's a good thing. I, your son is so comfortable in being himself. It scares me sometimes, actually. I actually wonder if I failed him to a degree. Like, he doesn't have any shame. I wonder if maybe he should have a little bit of shame. But... I don't think you have any shame. I don't... I have some. I saw the socks last night. The, my pink bunny slipper socks are comfortable, keep my feet warm, and they do the job. <laughs> but anyways, but, <laughs> but back to the idea of that's my sheep. Imagine, though, like you said... That, that same confidence that my son has, what if we as pastors, if we said that we're going to be intentional in saying more often than the sheep says that's my pastor, we're going to say that's my sheep. We're going to say it to them. We're going to say it about them. We're going to say it around them. We're going to say all the time, that's my sheep. What if we were that intentional with it? What if we, so 
I guess it's, it's about time to probably recap, recap all this stuff, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. So what yeah. if we sat there and said, you know, he's not Mark I am. It's not what I think. That's my sheep. Those are good. If we if we did those three things, we won't be like Marcel. It's good. Well, thank you guys so much for listening with us today. Thank you, Pastor Kamar, for your time. Because literally, you you had to give it to me because we're driving down the road. I mean, that's true. I, he held me captive. So um, <laughs> I am taking him back to his wife, who is very awesome. I love your family. I love everything that you and I have gotten to do together uh, this weekend. Thank you for encouraging me to go to this because I needed it. I really enjoyed it. Actually, once again, my wife gets the credit because she's the one who said, hey, you should invite John. So, and I was like, okay, I think I will. That's awesome. <laughs> Speaking of uh, your sheep, uh, Jerry and his wife, lovely wife are going to be joining you tomorrow at the church you're preaching. At. Oh, they are. Awesome. Uh, he asked what was going on there. And I said, Kamar's pastor or preaching there. And we're just asking some of our German family to go worship with them just to love on them. He's like, I'm going to go there. And you see, and because that's, I mean, that's all I've done is just, just that little bit of saying to him, Hey, I love you. I have a need for you. Yeah. I want you. And imagine what the world, what, what people like Jerry, the energy he has, like, if, if we took all the Jerry's in the world and turned them into our sheep, problem solved. That would be awesome. I think that is amazing to think about as uh, if you guys want more of this, you have questions about this, just reach out to us in any way. Yeah. Uh, we don't know what this is going to look like. We don't know where it's going. Don't even know what we're going to call it. Right now, it's just two pastors in a car. I think that's probably what we're going to call it. You think? But what happens when we don't sit in a car? Uh, two pastors who want to be in a car. And technically, we're in a truck. Yeah. Two pastors in a motor vehicle that moves we, we'll, we got it we're gonna have to brainstorm this we'll figure out something let's ask our wives they're smart they're smarter than us yeah all right guys see you later have a blessed day bye